there's no debate here. You are listening to The Culture Radio. Only on The Culture. You are listening to The Culture Radio. Only on The Culture. You are listening to The Culture Radio. Only on The Culture. You are listening to The Culture. Hello, I am Hunchy Henry Graves and welcome to The Way. Today we're going to be talking about a couple of things. Today um, dealing with martial arts, martial arts training. Also guys, um, I'm pleased to announce that we are reopened at 2345 East Michigan Street in Orlando, Florida. The Kahamashi Dojo is now open back up. We are really happy to be back open and dealing with all the, the situation that came up, came, you know, through this pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of questions and things like that. I'm sure that the instructors out there, they're all, you know, trying to make the best of everything for you guys. Um, and believe me, we're working hard here to make sure that these things do open safely and that your child is being um, taken care of without any issues and things like that. So I'm looking forward to talking to my guys today and seeing them again today. It's been a long time since we've talked. Been, it seemed like it's been forever, actually, since we have had, you know, conversation and things like that inside of the dojo. But we have been doing the online classes, and we're still doing them. <clears throat> For online classes, um, we do offer those in the mornings. You can contact me, 407-577-8218. We could do this on the Zoom. And also, you know, we're doing ready-to-do virtual karate tournaments, which is going to be a big thing, I think, in the future. I think this has changed the evolution of karate business. Teaching from your home, teaching from a park, teaching from um, wherever, a garage, inside of the building, you know, you just need space and time and things like that with the Wi-Fi or Internet connected, you can pretty much go anywhere and teach a karate class now. So this is very, very, very good, and we are really looking forward to expanding this and bringing this up to a, a greater level, okay? Um, I don't know whether you guys have any questions out there, um, but if you feel free, you can call in and you can ask me any question about the martial arts and um, feel free to ask me. You know, I'm here for you. I'm here to help you out with that. So remember that the way is dedicated to martial art training, also mindset of the martial artists, as well as helping us to deal with social problems to affect in our society today you know a lot of people looking for this bridge a way to get from one thing to another so you have a mental spiritual and a physical aspect always and we're definitely trying to make sure we tap in that people realize that through training you know you can pretty much get all things you need to get done reach all levels you need to reach everything you need to do you can still do it and be a part of all of that without any issues so you know, we want to we want to keep that keep that in, involved, keep that segment going, so people can realize that. Let's talk about a couple of things now. Um, online karate classes, you know, the pros and cons to that. Some of my peers they feel you know this way and that way about online karate classes. I can tell you, I think that this is um, 
it's a good thing because you get to say you have somebody in Chicago, somebody in Philadelphia, somebody in Miami, someone in Texas, you know, and they have been following you. They like how you do your martial arts. Well, you can register them. They can come online, and then you can get involved with them and put up a platform. They, they can actually come in and train and learn your system, learn the way you do things, I should say, um, and they can participate in it, learning the system. The only thing that I would say that you could probably stress, stress on is maybe getting together, I don't know, two, three, maybe even four times a year to work on some other things, a little one-on-one kind of things for if they want to get into a little bit more hand-to-hand self-defense or sparring aspect of it. Or if they find someone that they can work with that they trust, maybe they can come in as a team, and that way they can train together. Um, I did a lot of things with just me and two other people trained together, and it took me all over the world with my martial training, going to tournaments, was able to compete with some of the best and did very well with them. So, you know, you don't have to have a lot of people there to spar with to get good at sparring. Um, you don't have to necessarily have hundreds of people or 20 people, you know, one or two people or maybe even learning how to spar with yourself. It could be effective because it is movement. But you need that sparring concept of timing when someone throwing a punch at you. Um, remember that everybody moves differently, um, so that can help you also, you know, with that. Um, that's one thing about that I, I can say to you. Sparring is kind of one of those things that if you do it, you want to make sure you have, you know, one or two people there, different height maybe and things like that to do it with. So online registration with karate classes I think is good. Performing your kata. Um, you know, you just need enough space for each one, whether it's a weapon kata, probably more so with a weapon kata you need space than you would do doing an empty hand cotter. And what we mean by empty hand cotter, that means without any added, like a weapon, a, 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 a bow staff, a sword, a short stick or nunchucks or something like that in your hand, and you perform your, what we call kata uh, movements. Um, movements, kata is really like techniques that you would use or had been used during a, a fight. Someone recorded it as far as remembering it and wrote down what they did, and they put it into a form set. So that's what a kata is. Um, using weapons in your dojo. Well, um, you know, when you when you training with the shanai, I think it's a very good training tool. If you have proper padding with it, you can do strikes and, and things like that with it. A little bit more realistic because you're going through movement and you're learning how to um, judge that distance and attack that person, defend against it, you know, striking movements. It makes your um, acute awareness even more, you know, so then you become a little bit more hypersensitive to movement and things like that and able to move around a little bit quicker. So it, it's kind of um, heighten your senses, quicken your speed with that kind of thing. Um, do you have to use weapon in the dojo? No, you know. A lot of speed drills, a lot of different things make athletes faster. And, you know, with technology the way it is today, I'm pretty sure they're going to come up with something where you can box yourself and put a recording and put it in front of the mirror, shoot it back at yourself, and pretty have pretty 
good opponent throwing punches and stuff back at you, make you move around. I, I don't know. Maybe I'll come up with a concept to get that done. I think that's a good idea. Don't nobody patent that. You heard it here first on Culture Play with Hunchy Henry Graves. So, it's, um, so yeah, using weapons in the dojo and what type of weapons. I mean, as long as you're doing it safely, safely um, you can use wooden weapons. You can use um, metal weapons. You make sure you have the adequate spacing and things like that. Oh, before I forget, getting back to spacing, um, what we did at our dojo, we spaced out six feet squares for um, the ring and for the, the, the dojo so that we could have space there to um, safely do the katas and people could be safely inside that surrounding, inside that area to perform their kata without, you know, pretty much having to um, violate the social distancing that we want to keep, you know, until we get a hold of this thing and make sure everybody is pretty much taking care of themselves and safe. A lot of the parents right now are still a little reluctant in doing inside the dojo because they, you know, they're they not sure, and uh, rightfully so. You know, with all the information out there, we don't know what's going on, what's what's factual and what's not. But one thing we do know, if you're not, you know, shaking hands and rubbing it and, your, you know, touching your face and all that, you're pretty much going to keep it at bay, you know, keeping your hands washed a lot, keeping you know, sanitary, um, uh, what you call it, um, um, what you call that little, um, the pump action, Pirelli, sanit yeah, sanitizing hand things there for you and stuff like that, you're going to be okay. So, you know, inside the dojo, when you're using weapons, I wouldn't say share weapons with someone. You know, everybody should have their own weapon. And if you use a weapon, make sure it's wiped down or sprayed down and let that sit there for like five minutes before anybody else would pick it up and, you know, wipe it down and use it, okay? So that's one of the things that I would say do. Also, you know, have a place where they can put their own weapons, and then that way only they would be able to be, you know, picking them up and touching them. Um, that's inside the dojo with weapons. Um, I don't know, weapon kata opposed to empty hand kata? I think both of them are beautiful. Both of them can be uh, functional. But the true essence of karate is just Hanchi's opinion, is in the movement of the actual kumite. And what I mean by that is doing the confrontation part of martial arts. Let's be for real, guys. Why did you take up a martial art? I took it up because of being bullied and didn't want to be bullied. I also took it up. It was twofold. I want to be able to have a strong body and give some discipline and things like that. But also I wanted to be able to say, you know, one day I got a black belt. You know, I remember thinking my whole life I wanted to say that I um, had a chance to kumite or spar with Bruce Lee. Never got that opportunity. He passed before I, before I did. And, um, you know, but I always wanted to say that. But I'm, you know, never did it. But... Wish I would have, wish I had had a chance to do it. But that's one of them things that, you know, you move on to the next thing. Yes, I have had plenty of people in my life that was very good martial artists, kumite, sparred with excellent martial artists, and had a very good time. Um, but, you know, I, I just believe in the in the realisticness of the, the kumite, okay? So the next best thing to that, I would say, is doing kata. 
because um, in that kata, the elements of the sparring or the kumite is involved into that. You know, the movements, a punch came, you blocked, you you, you stepped back out of the way, Tasabachi side kicked, and things like that, you know. So you had to do a couple things in that fight to become the victor of that fight. Or if you didn't, you wasn't victorious, but you learned from that fight. So you, you know, learned those, these movements can be um, strengthened and done a little bit more with balance so the kata come into play. Now, when you're using a weapon in that aspect, the weapon seems to be something that you can do to um, keep a group of people at bay as well as one person. So it's like, say, if you're fighting someone um, with another sword, then, you know, your sword action, your movement will be needed for you to be right on point. Somebody else's would be the same way. But if it's multiple attackers and you have a bow or sword, nunchuckers, you can pretty much defend yourself against a few people. Um, if you really, really pay attention to your kata and what you're doing and the, the use of that weapon and how is an extension so you can reach out farther to protect yourself, you know. So um, I like using weapons. Um, I don't say that they're superior to any other thing because the superiorness, the greatest warrior does not have to lift one finger in battle. So the person that don't have to fight is a greater warrior in my eyes. Someone who can be at peace is better than being at war. Because you ever try to, after you break something, try to put it back together. Even if you get it pretty much the way it looked, the way it did before, it still is missing something because it was broken. You know, sometimes they say um, broken bones heal and they're stronger. I, I don't know whether that's true or not, um, but I think the original equipment you come with pretty much says it all. You know, it's it's there and it's have its function and that's what it's to be used for and to be strong and kept strong. Um, we're starting something also, guys, called From Fat to Fit. And it's nothing to deal with um, being uh, obese or anything like that. But the reason I chose those words, because, you know, if you say, hey, you fat, everybody know what that means. If you say you fit, everybody know what that means. You know, um, I, sh I could have called it, you know, face and fear, you know, same thing. But <clears throat> we're going to start a 30-minute aerobic type exercise program in the dojo at 2345 East Michigan Street in Orlando, Florida um, in the mornings. Um, moms that, you know, have time that they want to come by or young adults that before they got to go to work, they want to come by, get a quick workout. Again, for right now, though, it's limited to only five at a time. Um, we want to make sure we keep the nice space there. Then, <clears throat> excuse me, give me time to do a proper cleanup after those people leave. It's more like, you know, aerobic. You're going to be working on three different punching bags in there and a different other station. So they keep people moving around at different stations. Um, and then they'll move from one station to another station like that. But it's basically hand pads. Someone want a kicking bag. Someone else on a kicking bag. And then you got somebody else with the hand pads using those. And, you know, people work their stations to do different things. Some would be doing punches on one station. Some would be doing front kicks on another station. Some would be doing um, either side kicks or roundhouse on another station. So it gives them an opportunity to work around the punching, be jab, punching, ducking, and things like that. So I think you might like it. Oh, yeah, and we're putting it to music. So stop by. It'll be at 8 a.m. 
Uh, we're looking at this Thursday as the first day, and we'll, you know, contact you guys with more information about more times and more, you know, things. You can always call in 407-577-8218 and get a time slotted for yourself to come in. If 8 a.m. ain't good for you, you might want to come in at 10. Then, of course, we will adjust that for you, and we'll be glad, more than happy to help you with that. Remember, it's called from fat to fit. It may just same as facing fear. Remember that. Um, let's talk about the things that, um, well, we talked about some kicks a few minutes ago. How many of you guys have a favorite kick? Okay, great. I'm glad to hear that you have a favorite kick. The kicks, two kicks I want to talk about today is a front kick and a roundhouse kick. And just to me, using either one of those things are very good. A front kick can be um, implemented so, so easily just by raising the knee up and pushing that foot out fast and bringing it back on the same um, angle that it went out, bringing it back to the body. It can be so deceptively fast. I mean, really, really, really quick. And the roundhouse kick can come up in same way, simple twist, pivot on the ball of your foot, either left or right, depending on what foot you're using. Uh, the supported leg would pivot. The um, the leg to striking with or kicking leg would be, you know, striking with either the top of the foot or the, um, what we call not the instep so much, but the top of the foot or the ball of the foot. And they can, you know, be done very, very easily and pretty quick. Let's look at the front kick. If you're standing there um, and someone's coming at you, you know, you got your hands up, you know, like in a, like, Hey, man, what you need? Got your hands a little bit in front of you. Hey, step back, please. I don't want any problems and stuff like that. And they continue to come to you. You can front kick either like low to the knee, to the groin, to the shin, and, you know, move them out of the way. Move them back pretty quick. You can do use both feet or you can use one foot to boom, 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 move them out the way. And it's done really easily. It leaves your hands ready to do other things. You can bring it back pretty quick. I like the front kick for the simplicity of it and moving left real quick, shifting your weight left or shifting your left weight right real quick or even shifting back and doing it with the front or rear leg, you know, very quickly, very easily done without a lot of um, hoopla. You can learn this kick pretty easily. You know, all it is is raising the knee up and pushing the foot out and bringing the knee right back in the same plane and you can put the foot down. It's a pretty easy kick to do. Um, one of the really basic, basic f things is a front kick we learn first. And from that point, you can just build an arsenal of kicks off of that kick. You can use them in combinations, you know, one kick after another um, and things like that. So a lot of people like to use front kicks in roundhouses or front kicks and side kicks. But I just like using a front kick and I like using a reverse punch. You know, and then when I use the um, roundhouse kick, um, that's another pretty easy kick to do. Um, depending on your flexibility is how high you may have to bring that kick or want to bring that kick when using a roundhouse kick. Okay, so with the roundhouse kick, it's almost like it was kept a secret for years. You know, people didn't really want the lower belts to know about the roundhouse kick. It's such an effective kick. And it can be done pretty easily by just, you know, like I said, pivoting on your supporting leg, left or right, making sure you turn and keeping that angle. Because really, it, they, the, the roundhouse kick is done just like 
um, you're going to do a front kick or a side kick. You're bringing that knee up. It's just when you turn at that angle, how it's coming out. It's just a different angle that is striking. All these kicks are pretty much basic things. It's what you put into that basic kick. That ordinary kick makes it extraordinary. Remember that, you know. If you keep thinking fast, you're going to be fast. If you keep thinking slow, you're going to be slow. So think fast, you know, think fast. But take your time to learn the technique properly. A lot of times, you know, I get people want to do um, spinning techniques first before they even master the basic techniques, you know. Be real simple first. Learn how to properly do a front kick. Then maybe learn how to do a back kick. Then maybe start learning how to do a spinning kick. You know, I mean, it's not that hard to do, but the balance, equilibrium, and things like that, you have to be aware of when you're turning what side is what, okay? Because if you turn too quick and kick, throw the kick out there, you may be kicking before the target is in front of you or after the target. You get past the target, but you want to kick at the moment you make the right um, um, the right distance from the target. That's what you want to do. That's the secret of doing that. So um, what is better, the roundhouse kick or the front kick? Oh, wow. I would have to go with again with the, with the um, front kick, but the roundhouse kick is so effective. I didn't. It, it, it depends, guys. Some people can do this kick so fast, you can't really judge it. And um, to me, though, now I would much prefer to do a front kick um, a lot of the times than a roundhouse kick. So that's that's how I look at it, about it. Um, in competition, I think the roundhouse kick get a lot of um, play. Um, you know, you see that kick done a lot. Um that like a machine gun kick or something like that. You know, you see that kick popped out there, pop, 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 pop. You know, you see that kick out there a whole lot. Um, a lot of traditional people will probably do a really good front kick and then use a really good reverse punch or oizuki, a jab, or kidanzuki to, um, you know, be in a contest with someone. But us um, older guys, you know, like I said, after a while, you want to stick pretty much to basic stuff that works for you. You know, um, one thing that I don't see in the modern tournaments that I used to see back in the older tournaments is good blocking techniques. It's like blocking is almost like a lost art form. form. Why aren't people blocking anymore? If and You know, in my day, if you didn't block, you got hit. And then you learned you need to block. Or you just stopped doing it anyway because you didn't want to get hit again. So you weren't going to try blocking or getting good at blocking. So you just really like gave up because you didn't want to get hit. But once you learn how to block effectively and learn how to block with movement, blocking is really important. Everything becomes so easy. Your offense, good defense. Us, good defense. Okay. Um, you got to have that. You got to have very strong blocking techniques how to block, when to block, you know. Um, and, and remember this, a block is also a strike, right? Because somebody throwing a punch at you, you're striking that punch with another either foot, hand, palm, heel, something. They're redirected out of your way. So a block is essentially another strike. That's what it is, okay? Um in self-defense use 
um, I think the front kick would win out over a roundhouse kick. I really do. Um, because you can just turn the body so quickly and perform it. Now, uh, if you're really good at doing roundhouse kicks, then of course you probably would beg to differ. But just uh, talking um, for a general survival tactic, um, a, a front kick would be very effective, guys. Very, very, very effective. Um, how to use weapons like a short stick in confrontations? Well, if you would take a short stick, something about come up to your knee, and you would uh, maybe walk your dog in the afternoon with it or in the morning with it or whenever, you know, you could have that with you. It's not such an imposing weapon to look like it could do a whole lot, you know, the little short stick. But the implications of it against attackers, hitting their hands, hitting their fingers, hitting their shins, hitting their, you know, um, areas of you know, sensitivity, pressure points, it becomes now a pretty serious defensive weapon. You know, it can cause inflict a lot of damage to those nerves and like, people want to not be so um, aggressive with you, you know, make them be a little bit more uh, what I call relaxed in their attack on you. Um, you can vary the size of it. Um, I've seen Coubertons, a little round dowel, about a half an inch um, in thickness, um, come right above when you make a fist. It comes right above the fist when you make it inside your hand or right below it a little bit out, top and bottom, maybe a uh, a half an inch to an inch, and very effective um, weapon. Nobody see you with it, but then you can hit, you can strike to the side with it, you know, from the, from the palm hill strike to a ridge hand strike with it, but using a closed fist, using these techniques. You could be very effective hitting people, you know, in, in their hands and joints with this could be very effective also. And that's a really a conceivable weapon. You, you can conceal it really, really easy, and you can bring it out to use really quickly. And it can be, like, real quick, you know. Um, that weapon is a very old weapon. Um, well, you know, I want to tell you something real quick, though, guys. What about a weapon like a noon, not nunchucks, but the yo-yo? Did you know that that actually is a weapon? And it was used for such fighting. It's a very serious weapon. Make you look at yo-yos a little bit differently, right? But, you know, think about it. You can use it. To strike out and then a weapon come back, the spinning cylinder come back to you and you can reuse it again. You know, and if you're really quick and good with it and imaginative with it, you could do a lot of things with that yo-yo for a striking from a distance farther out from the opponent and reach him before you have an opportunity to get close enough to hurt you. So there you go with that weapon. I just thought I'd throw that in. Don't go out and buy all the nunchucks, I mean all the um, um, yo-yos up, okay? Thank you. All right, save me one. Um... I don't know. Um, how do you start a beginner class? Let's see. Well, with the beginner classes, first you want to, to me, you want to start them out with a little bit of history of what they're doing. Then you want to work some little basics in there, like maybe, you know, walking, you know, um, nice and slow, block, 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 come back, block, come back, block. Moving forward again, punch, punch, punch. Maybe turn it left, block. Turn it right, block. You know, turn around, Mawate, doing the same thing. And then you want to add in a little bit of um, um, technique far as this uh, double thing, like punch and block or strike, okay? 
upwards, lowered, outside, inside, with movement. Up block, down block, outside block, inside block. Moving forward with a jab, moving forward with a reverse punch, moving back with a jab, moving back with a reverse punch. So, you know, again, doing your calisthenics, making them exercise, things like that. A good beginner class, fun, you know, not too much. Don't overload them. You know, don't give them too much stuff to try to teach them because basically they're going to be learning something um, to adhere to um, that they can keep them interested in. So you want to keep them kind of motivated about what they're learning and excited about what they're learning today so that um, tomorrow when they come in and you do have them do what they've done, say Monday class, have them come in on Wednesday or Tuesday and they do their class, they can retain that and learn it. And by the next week, they have gotten this so well memorized and so well executed and doing it to a point that you're, you know, happy with them. You can add another technique on that won't overload them. And that way they won't get frustrated and feel like they can't do it. And then they'll continue to grow. This is one good way to start a, um, a beginner class off. Remember a little bit of background about the system, about who you are, a little bit about the rules, the expectations. You're sitting there for them so they all have a clear goal set, you know. They also know what you expect of them. And so that's one thing that, especially with kids, they want to know what expected so they'll know what to do, and then they have a boundary. And boundaries are good with children, especially small children. The um, intermediate class, which would be at a little higher level, right, because now... They're past, like, the beginning belts. With us, it's the first three belts are beginning. Then the fourth belt, you move into um, intermediate. At that stage, the kids have got an ideal concept of what to do with karate. And far as they're concerned, it's easy for them to pick up a whole kata and retain it, learn it. But remember, I think it's very important to do the review from, from a white belt the yellow belt, the orange belt, with your green belts when they first get it, to review them, have them review that lesson plan at the beginning of the class, and then move on to their lesson plan. So that at this point now, they're remembering the, the old katas, or old forms, or old you know curriculum, and moving into more of the curriculum that would be new to them. And this way they're getting it added to their like that little toolbox. So now they, they're capable of retaining a lot. You know, we can, we can get terabytes all in our mind, right? We got a, our brain is capable of having so much in it and remembering it and storing it and being able to bring it forth. So, and kids are more like sponges to me. They can do things really quick, really easily, where adults sometimes we think about it and think about, well, if I put these skates on, I'm going to fall and break my leg, break my arm. And I don't want to do that. I don't, don't want to take that chance. Whereas a kid, you know, you didn't see the impossible. All you seen was the possible. Sometimes, you know, like I say, be more like kids in that state. You know, believe, know your, li know your limitations and liabilities and things like that, but don't have a fear. You know, try not to let fear stop you from doing things that you're more than capable of doing. The only thing holding you back is you. That's not good. Don't let yourself get in your way. Um, the more advanced class, now you can start working with them and getting self-motivated things. Um, make them come in, teach 
class, observe them teaching classes, make them come in and do kata. Really ask them to come up with a kata in their minds and try to make the first one a little small one. But at that point, see what kind of pattern they're putting together. Then you make them add on to that pattern that they got or make them come up with a completely different one, new one, and make it a little bit more elaborate. Get them to use that martial brain, that mindset, that ability to, to create. You know, it's not going to hurt them. What you're doing right now is helping them to grow in the martial arts and become better karatekas. That's the whole game, you know, for us all. Um, <clears throat> when you're training, someone asks me, what's the best time of the day to train? Um, when you're ready to train. All, all bodies are all uniquely different, but the same. Some of us are more acclimated to training in the morning, get up without an issue, go right into that workout, get it done, the rest of your day is done, boom, boom. Some of us are more geared towards midday, you know, then have breakfast and maybe, you know, right before lunch, they want to go and get a workout on, get it done nice and strong, feel healthy, and boom, move on. And then you have some of us is like working out in the evening. It may be after dinner, you know, an hour after whatever, and then they sit back, they get up, and they get ready to work out. Most of the time, they're on their way to the karate dojo to do this workout. And now they're getting their workout done in the evening. See, your body don't know the difference in time and when it's working out. Yeah, what your body knows about is how much rest it's getting. So rest is very important when you're training. You know, you, you don't want to become a sleepyhead, you know, a couch potato. But you also, you know, don't want to be under sleep, you know, sleep deprived. That's not going to be good for your cognitive thinking. You're not going to be able to keep up with your techniques because now your mind is not all focused in because it got to deal with you staying awake. It got to keep you alert. It got to keep you going. If you're driving that car or if you're on your way home, you know, certain things you got to do to make your journey successful. So adequate rest is very important, very important with proper nutrition. You know, that's the thing that I think is a whole lot under um, stated, the proper nutrition aspect of this. Um, you got to be able to um, eat properly, guys. You, you got to be able to eat nutritious things. Um, you may want to think about more vegetables now, putting them in your diet, and that's going to help you in the long run because these vegetables, they stick with you. Not only that, they got a lot of nutrients going to get absorbed into the cell and your um, stomach and, you know, all of that and pass it through the body so that they can get the nutrients they need to be successful, alert, you know, ready to move on, ready to make you a success, okay? So um, if you can't get it all like that, take a vitamin. Get a good vitamin, you know, that have all the vitamins in them from A to zinc, you know. So that might be a, um, another thing that people overlook in their training is that they don't get enough proper nutrition. Nutrition is really, 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 really important. So make sure you are taking vitamins every day to help your body to get stronger. You know, if I ask you out there which weapon would you prefer, what would you say? You know, would you prefer 
stick weapons or do you for, prefer metal weapons? Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, like the idea of having the sword. Um, and a lot of people like the idea of having a bow. You know, so those are two popular weapons that's used a lot. The nunchucks is just like a short, um, um, almost like a joe, that the length that it would be. It's got the rope there in it to help with the length of it. So those things, when you're talking about using a joe and a bow, it depends on where you're at, what that weapon will be called, okay? Um, either um, a bow or staff, depending on where you're from. But anyway, a Joe, same kind of weapon, same tree, but use different technology or name set for that. But it's pretty much all the same thing. I know a lot of people, they come in with the idea that they're going to become great um, weapon masters. You know, um, I don't know any masters in anything, actually. But um, we call ourselves um, at a certain level um, master this and master that. But believe me, the mindset of the sensei is that he's still learning. That's a good sensei. Whether he is a 10th degree or 1st degree, you know, if he got the mindset that I'm still learning, that's the one you want to be around. That's the one you want to have teach your children or teach yourself. You know, a couple things that the adequate inside the dojo, when I'm talking about beginners again, I think I overlooked this part, but I want to go back to it real quick, briefly. You want to establish the rules of your dojo for your beginning class. You want to make sure you get that established so by the time they're intermediates and advanced and things like that, when they're helping you on the floor, they already know what's expected and they know what to do. Like, wh how do you address the person teaching you karate? If he is called a hunchy or he's called a sensei or or a shihan, or wrenchy, or whatever. I would say as long as you tell them to say sensei, they will be doing fine. But when they come in there and be calling you by your first name, hey, Mike, hey, Jim, hey, Larry, you know, and you're the sensei, and they're not saying sensei, then you need to have that talk with that um, individual radical, real quick and say, hey, you know, inside the dojo, or, you know, I'm your sensei, and that's what you address me as sensei. And, and, you know, just say it like that because that's how you came up and you know how well that made you. Make sure they follow the rules, the little guys, and they're not going to pretty much question you. Sometimes you get an older person come in and an older adult, they might not understand the significance of it. But, you know, break it down to them. Let them know that these are the rules of the dojo and this is what they have to adhere to. And pretty much that's why people come to the martial arts to learn a discipline that they're um, um, sorely lacking in their own life. Martial way is a good way, people out there. It's a, it's a very good way. And in these times that we're going in, you know, I think it's becoming evident to us that we should have a very strong um, system in place to learn how to perfect, protect ourselves, how to defend ourselves, our loved ones, you know, and how to keep our body strong as well as a sense of how to have a mental clarity and being strong and a spiritual aspect of you know, the things that, the right things to do. You know, martial arts will bring all these in effect in to, for your kids, for the adults that want to learn it. Bring them all to the front, front of their mind. 
it will learn to do these things with the martial art training. Um, I don't know, six years old, and right now I'm 63, so that's 57 years of working out and being a part of um, martial arts, learning the martial arts, doing the martial arts, believing in the martial arts, becoming a martial artist, growing in martial light and martial way, believing in God, believing that, you know, everything that I do, um, I should be responsible for. And as a kid, of course, I may not have done that, but as a child, I did childish things. As an adult, I do adult things, and I learned away from that. You know, and reading my Bible make me realize a lot of things that I wasn't doing, I should be doing, and things I should be doing, I wasn't doing, and stop the things that I was doing because they was no good. So, you know, I learned to grow and, and become more positive. But with the martial art discipline, I say, you know what, this is what I have to do. If I'm going to become a, a leader in the dojo, you know, and a teacher in the dojo, these are some of the things I have to adhere to to make sure I do them to keep this um, great art form. Um, here we learn so many different aspects of martial training, so many different ways to do your martial arts and follow your martial arts. A lot of times, you know, you don't even think about how big that is when you have a young child looking at you and you're telling them how to do a, a nice punch or a nice kick or something like that, how important that is to them that they learn to do these things. And when they do them, they give them such a sense of confidence, of, a, of you know, a compliment that they have achieved something. And then they're moving forward with that. And then other areas of their life, when they come and meet one of those you know, difficult things, they can move past it without a problem, you know. Um, the great thing about also about martial artists is that they have a very good sense of fair play with everyone. Um, I didn't say all martial artists do, you know, but basically I'm here to say that there's more really good, sincere martial artists out there than there'd be people out there that would just use it and not really use it for the best, use it for only sole purposes of, of gaining a dollar. You know, we, we can't have that. We want to make sure that the dojo keep running because all of your parents are the dojo parents. You know what that means for your children, and then your children like it, and you know what they're getting out of it, that, that, that value that they're getting from it. So, you know, keep those dojos rolling. Keep them open out there, parents. And the tournaments... Well, you know, I had a parent ask me, you know, do they have to participate in tournaments? I say, ma'am, I believe that if your child was playing soccer and he's get on a soccer team or the basketball team or whatever, baseball team, if they didn't participate, right, if they didn't get a chance to go out there and participate in that sport because, the or at least when I was coming up, if you wasn't first screen, stream, if you want first screen, you, you really you only got in to play maybe if the second screen person was hurt, and then you may have got in if you was the third stream, or if the first string person got hurt, you can go in if you was the second stream, so forth and so on. But in the martial arts, you get to be first string all the time. You get to go in there and you get to participate every single time. So what this does is give your child an opportunity to do really good in life 
lesson learned life skills that, you know, you give it your best. And sometimes when you give it your best, you may not get the desired first place. You may get second or third. But if you keep trying, implementing, working hard at it, you will eventually get that first place. Just stay with it. So this is why I, I just love the martial art because, you know, a lot of sports, you don't get to get in there to play, even though you may participate all weekend, practice with them all week long, and then when the game time comes, you don't even get in to touch the football. But you're on the squad, but you're not getting in and play. You're not getting in to even try, you know. So, you know, this is one thing I can tell you. The martial arts, you get out there, participate in a tournament, and you're going to get opportunity to show how well the techniques you've been practicing or you've been learning inside the dojo is working. Now, if you've been working good, following sensei instructions, and you're not afraid to say, oh, I don't know that, and you get out there and you do the technique and it comes together, it's great, right? If you get out there and the technique don't come together like it should, you realize that, oh, I should have blocked this way, or I could have been a little bit quicker that way. Nothing goes faster or makes you more acute than the need for something, you know. Um, they used to have a saying that says, um, necessity is the mother of invention. So the necessity to learn how to do better techniques, to learn how to block better, to learn how to kick and punch better, will make you a better martial artist when you go and compete in some of these events. I'm not saying you have to, I'm just saying, that's, they're they're good to do, you know. You have a lot of fun. You get to meet people. I made some of my best friends ever at tournaments. Met them once or twice there. Became friends and moved on to different parts of the country, but still keep in contact because of that martial art relationship. There you go. So, you know, learning this is another good thing of building um, friendships and building character. You know, remember, you're always on the first stream when you're in doing karate because it's you out there doing it. You know, whether you're doing it um, on a, on stream, streaming it through the um, computer or you actually inside there live doing it in front of someone, you're going to still more than likely make friends because you're going to get some comments, some people are going to talk to you and things like that. Um, the other thing about... Um, working in the martial art industry is that when we start doing our um, annual training and annual this and that, um, a lot of people shy away from that. But until that is going on, sometimes it looks like your dojo is totally full. But once they have to come up with some money to pay for this, that, or the other for their kid, a lot of people, they're not willing to do that. They, they just think, well, they're going to get it on this day, so I'll just wait and let that occur before I try to pay anything. Or, you know, sometimes they miss it. Oh, I forgot. Um, I was, well, you know, then see you in four months when they're ready to do it again. You know, because basically, I don't know how you forget, because I know that kid is tapping you on your shoulder. Daddy or mommy, I got to do my test today. Yeah. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. Do I prefer a roundhouse punch? What that is, a roundhouse punch. Reverse punch? Okay. Or a jab? Well, I got to look up the roundhouse punch first. I, I love using 
Um, Mikazuki. Yes, I, I love uh, I love a reverse punch. I love that. I don't mind doing a Kidazuki, um, but I love doing that. I love doing a reverse punch. Because, you know, with that time and you block and you get to throw that punch in there like it comes out like a gun, boom, go firing off into that target and you hit when you hit that desired target area and make contact to it. It's just a good feeling that that, that practice and the time you put in it, it always it paid off because you was uh, able to carry out what you was looking forward to doing. And that's, and that's okay with that. So um, those of you who have schools and senseis and want to know um, how tournaments run, most senseis been there, done that. But a lot of senseis have never been into a, a competition, so they don't know. But try to find someone who have and, you know, get that experience like that from them. Uh, but I do believe in sticking with your sensei because if it's anything you need to learn, he's going to be able to teach it to you. And he's probably, you know, if he may not be the best sparring guy in the world, but he may be able to bring, his friend might be Bruce Lee Jr., you don't know, over there to give you some um, insight on it, or even whatever it might be, even Carter. Stay with your school, guys. This is very important for one day when you become a sensei um, and you um, run, a, run your dojo and, and you, you know, want to retain your students, the same energy you put out, the same energy you're going to get in return and get back to you. Um, I know it's been years and years and years. Sometimes people be with you and then they, they um, walk away. But you got to remember that if they do things, it's a way you can do anything and everything. And if you do that, you're going to be fine. But if they don't do it, then it's going to be a crime. You know, So try to always stay within the boundaries with a good relationship with the teacher or the person who brought you to the dance. I think that's super important. Um, you know, a lot of people don't get a chance to do that or understand that, but take it from me, guys. You, you, you real martial artists out there who've been there, you know, you know, that's a real big deal. Um, if you take, and when I was coming up there, you took the girl to the dance. That's the one you better be dancing with player. I mean, young man, do that. You show her that respect. You don't take her there and then go dance with Susie and Betty and, um, 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 you know, Lisa and all of that. That's the one. You don't want her dancing with Mike and Joe and, and Harry and, you know, Henry and all of that, you know. So vice versa, martial artists. Stick with your dojo. Help grow your dojo. Um, continue to feed the dojo. Again, I will tell you, man, most really great martial artists, they don't leave out of this world um, tremendously rich because their heart and, and, and their soul is into teaching you. So how dare you turn around and do something contrary to that? You know, if you become a really big, fancy, well-known person, you should go back to that dojo, to that sensei, and help build that school back up anyway because that's where you got your basic your training from. And you want them to, um, if it's possible, because you may leave and may not be able to go back there, right? So then that's another conversation to have with the senseis on that one, right? When that time come up. But um, if you can, go back and give that insight and, you know, why and how and this, that, and the other. Let sensei know how much you appreciated it. 
and what you want to do to maintain the techniques and the theory that he have on martial arts and, you know, keep passing down those. Now, I want you to also know, you know, we're going to keep evolving. Evolution is it's just evolution, you know. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to say because when you think about change, you wonder if you change something so much, does it still resemble what it once was? Or is it have it morphed into something completely different that's not so adequate anymore? You know, this happened with the breakdown of morals, you know. Um, so some change is good change. Not all change is great change. But things are going to change. But in that change, what level of integrity do we keep in that level of change? How do we apply the change to what we're doing now and where we're going now? That's the very important thing. I tell you this all the time. Um, being a martial artist is a whole lot more involved in kicking and punching. You know, once you become at that black belt level or that um, instructor level or that basic understanding of basic level, because the black belt is just a person who understands how to apply the basics better than a beginner. Basically, that's it, right? When you get to that point when you become that good, you have an obligation, man. You have an obligation to make sure that the structure of that stays intact. You know, um, I don't know, you, you can't, how would I say this to you martial artists out there and school owners? You can't change good manners for bad behavior, no matter. You know, you got a students that got real good manners, and it may not be that great of a student, fast and all of that, good, great balance and stuff, but then you got a student in there that's terrible, you know, disrespectful, um, all this and that and things like that, and you want to keep him around because he's a good fighter, but he's his peers that he's in there with, you know, nobody want to spar with him or work out with him because of the, the way he is and the way he acts, then, you know, that's a bad thing. And since I, you know, I don't know whether any of us would put up with that at my age, you know, but for you younger guys that's getting them in there like that, you know, that, that need to be cut out. They need to be broken back down and let them know what time it really is with that so that they can understand how important it is to be in the martial frame weight, uh, um, martial frame of mind that good behavior is more important, much more important, you know, because moving down the line, the what we do in this life and how we remember in this life is really important to the people that's left behind. But what we do in this life and when we close our eyes and meet our maker, it's super important to where you're going to end up in your final destination, in your eternalness of your eternal spirit. So that's a really big thing. You know, we keep trying to pass this on to the younger ones and, you know, make sure they understand how that is. But it's kind of hard for them. So, you know, I, I know I went on today about a lot of things, you know, but I want to also also make you guys aware every time I talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about these things and keep it in the front of your mind, you know, about the martial arts. You know, yeah, we love doing martial arts. We love this, that, and the other with the martial arts. But remember, the most important thing in the martial arts is how you train is how you perform. 
And the learning from your sensei of good value is much more important than learning how to do a front kick or a side kick or how to kumite or how to use a edge weapon. It's really super much more important than that because at the end of the day, if a man can live with himself, he can live with others. If a man cannot live with himself, he cannot live with others. You know, you see all this bad behavior out there. Okay, so the topic we went over today is using the weapons in the dojo, um, online registration for karate classes. We felt that that was a, you know, a growing thing that's going to be getting even better. Um, weapon kata, um, empty hand kata, which one you prefer, and how the extension of the weapon make you either better with doing a kata or the same. Um, what kick we worked on today was a roundhouse kick. How to bring it up, you know, turn the hips, pivot on the foot, on the ball of the foot that you um, support in foot and making sure that knee is aimed at that target to strike it. Front kick, just raising that knee up and maintaining that same thing. The knee is pointing towards the target or the striking person area and you can execute it with speed, starting out slow and doing it. Uh, we talked about using... Um, the short stick, and I told you guys, I thought it was a very good weapon to use because of, you know, how it can just look non-offensive, um, you know. It's like just you just have a stick in your hand or something like that. Um, starting in a beginner class, some of the tips on with the beginners, you know, not giving them, overloading them, give them a little education of the dojo, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, um, a brief history of the system they learn and of yourself and things like that and how to some of the rules that apply to entering in the dojo, exiting the dojo, what's permissible inside of the dojo, have them learning one or two techniques and then repeating that the next week, adding a little bit more so they can get acclimated to what they learned and then they can go over it, review it, then you can add a little bit more to them. I was telling you that the intermediates are a little bit more um, able to do things that you show them because they have went through that beginning stage, but it's important to go back and go through all of that again with them so they can have a really good, clear um, understanding of what's expected while they're moving into the advance. Then the advance is really important to get them getting back to that beginner, then the intermediate, you know, and then learning on what they're doing with their things. Testing is important, guys. Um, restructuring the testing process is all uh, ongoing thing. It should be written as well as a physical test. You know, prepare them, mind, body, and spirit. You know, and the black belt exam. You know, some of them, you know, don't have to be super super hard for them to be effective. But some of them have to be, depending on what level they're going to, the stress the level of what importance that they want to have in their mind to becoming that black belt, you know, that first Dan, that second Dan, that third Dan, you know, once they get to that fifth Dan, pretty much they understand the whole concept of martial way and karate do. And if they, you know, really been paying attention, they're able to help you, they're able to help others and things like that. In the dojo, I told you that we're going to be starting classes for um, um, from fat to fit or face and fear. You know, in that aspect, some people just don't get up and do it because they're afraid 
you know, we're going to start you on a journey, move you up gradually till you feel very comfortable and happy. You know, we're going to do this to music. We're located again at 2345 East Michigan Street in Orlando, Kahashi Mash Dojo, Henry Grace Martial Art Academy. We're looking forward to